Well, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> good evening. It's good to see a bunch of beautiful people here this evening. You know what the word says? The word says we're two or more gathered together. That means me and one other. That's all it takes. Jesus said, I'll be there, and anything you ask in my name, it'll happen. Amen. Amen. You believe that tonight? All we got to do is come before him and ask and receive, and he'll give it to us. Amen. Why don't we stand this evening? We're going to begin our service in prayer. We're going to begin our service in worship tonight. We're just going to enter in and, and allow the Lord to move and allow him to touch lives tonight. If you have a need tonight, you're in the right place. Because I believe that God is going to be here. He's going to move and he's going to touch lives tonight. Amen. Amen. I don't think everybody got their nap in there, but you're kind of. Maybe you're ready for that Dallas game tonight. Well, we got an hour and 20 minutes before they kick off. So. So until then, until then, we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord. Amen. Well, let's do it together. Father, we love you tonight. Lord, we just praise you. Lord, we just glorify you tonight. God, we come into your presence, Lord, expecting great things, expecting a mighty move tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that whatever anybody has that they've gone through today or this week, that right now, Lord, they'd put that aside, begin to focus on you, Lord, that we could put our attention on you, God, that we could turn our eyes to you, God, and receive all that you have for us, all the blessings, all the wonderful, great things that you have for us, God, because you're such a wonderful God. You're such a, a, a loving God, and we praise you for that. We love you tonight. We worship you, God. We exalt you tonight. And Lord, we just focus on you tonight, Lord. We put everything aside and focus on you because you're worthy of it, God. And we glorify you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. 
to something good, God, because your word says, your word says, God, that you work together for good. All things, God, and all things, God. Father, we stand on that promise tonight because we love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just have your way in this service tonight, God. Just move, Lord. Just move your people, God. Have your presence, Lord, to surround us as we sing praises to your name. In Jesus' holy name.
I prophesied through Joel that I would pour my spirit out upon all flesh, upon men and women and, and young people. And I am fulfilling that prophecy right here and right now. I am filling people who will, are willing to have the spirit of God poured into their hearts, the spirit of the living Christ poured upon their minds and their spirits and inflaming them, enthusing them, filling them with with energy and, and passion for action to move the kingdom of God forward. You choose to be a vessel that is poured out or you choose to keep a lid on your life. It's your choice. It's your option. It's yours to receive or yours to, to refuse, says the Lord. Amen. I think we just should respond by our individual response. Lord, Lord, <laughs> I want to be one with the, no lid on, no keeping you out of my life. I want to be one of those, Lord, in which you are pouring your spirit out. I want to be a vessel overflowing, overflowing with the power of your spirit poured upon me. Lord, I, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it, Lord. I pray you'll You'll do more pouring out of your spirit in my heart. Not less, but more. But more of my life that you will consume. More and more of, of, of my, my life that you will use. That you will use so that somebody else can feel your love. So somebody else can sense your love for them and your care and your concern and your desire that they wouldn't miss the gift you have for them, Lord. That they wouldn't miss the abundant life you came to give them. May our, our lives be conduits and, and vessels, Lord. May we be a continuation of the powerful book of Acts as you pour your spirit out upon willing vessels, willing people, ready, ready to be spirit-filled and spirit-empowered. Lord, I praise you for every person in here who is making the decision and communicating to you their willingness and their hunger and their readiness for you to pour your spirit out into their souls. We receive by faith what your word said to us and we say with our hearts, we choose yes, Lord, for you to pour your spirit out into our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Praise the Lord. Ushers, would you come and you give us the opportunity of worshiping the Lord with the giving of our tithes and offerings tonight? Thank you, gentlemen, for serving as in a very important role 
David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the house with kings, mansions and palaces. What a privilege to be, to have a, have a place to serve. I hope every one of you have a, have a niche, have a role, a function in this church that, that you, you fulfill passionately. If you don't, ask the Lord what, that, what place He'd like to use you to, to, in His kingdom, in His work. It may be something within the walls. It may be something outside the walls, outside in the community. We need everybody be, being willing to use the gifts God has given you. Father, we worship you with our giving tonight. We thank you that, that, you, are, that you are blessing this church in, in a, a lot of different ways. And Lord, we just pray that, that this offering is used appropriately as you would choose for it to be used. May your hand and, and may your, uh, your, your voice just lead every dime and dollar to the, to the work of your kingdom that you want it spent. Lord, we, we are yours. We, we not only give us what we put in the offering plate, but we give ourselves to you, Lord, ourselves to you, for you to use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think that's what offering is, a time when you give everything. You give the Lord. You give the Lord yourself. And, that, and your tithe indicates that. God bless you as you give. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you are going to be surprised when you get a pastor? Nobody. That's what I wanted. Nobody. You know why we're not going to be surprised? Because we're praying in faith. We're praying, believing that, that this is not a prayer we've got to talk to God in. Our prayers are just agreement with what we know the will of God is, that He wills, that He wills for you to have a, a leader that is, that is called and committed and, and that's, that's leading forth the ministries of this church. And I, I'm, I've just got a, a kind of a different way that I want to pray tonight. I'd like for a couple of people to volunteer to lead you in prayer. I'd like to give you a, a microphone uh, and let, let you lead us in prayer. We're all going to stand with you and we're all going to be praying with you. But I think this is just another way to have corporate prayer when, when one voice speaks the, the will of the body. And so I, I don't know you well enough to call out and, and in, you know, and who, who, who among you? Would lift your hand and say, I don't mind being one of those volunteers. Anybody? I know I could call on Chase and I've heard him pray a lot. Ron, how about you? Would, would as one of the board members and you, you or Merle or, or Dan or any, anybody that's here tonight? This is, this is coming from all of us. Would you stand with Ron as he, as he leads us in prayer? This, this is a prayer of our heart. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for all your blessings. We pray that you would be with us in our search for a new pastor. Yes. We pray that you would be with Brother Ron tonight. Mm -hmm. 
that you would bless us with your blessings, Lord. Amen. We ask these things in your holy name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Amen. Amen. Do you feel comfortable too? Either one. Both. Amen. Lord, we truly do thank you tonight for this church. Yes, we do. We thank you for this body of believers. Lord, we know that this time of transition can be difficult at times, but I, I thank you, Lord, that this church is strong mm -hmm. and we're in unity. Mm. We know that you have the right person already chosen. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that you would guide us as a church, as a committee, and Lord, that you'd speak to the heart of that person that you've already chosen to prepare yes, them even now, Lord, that they're, they're being prepared to come and serve and come and minister to us. I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, and, and we, you, we pray that your will would be done. Blessing the service tonight, I pray that you'd move in our hearts and bless people's lives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you, Merle, Ron. Anybody else that would like to, like to volunteer too and lead this church in prayer? I'm not going to push. Just I'm just giving you the opportunity. Okay, you can be seated. God bless you. Tim, how much how much money uh, did the did the bikeathon make last weekend? Around two hundred sixty thousand dollars. Two hundred sixty thousand dollars for for speed the light. People came together and working on a bikeathon, and man, that's 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 going to buy a lot of media and vehicles and all, all the ministries of speed the light that it's still going on. Man, we've been raising money for that for seems like a hundred years now, doesn't it? It's on. No, I, it, before you and I were in it, they were doing it. They were raising money for Speed of Light, buying airplanes and buses. I, I think I might have my mic turned off. But microphones, now, now they, now, well, they, it just keeps changing with the times. What, whatever missionaries need, whatever Speed of Light can equip. It's, 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 it's a youth ministry, but there's a lot more than just youth invited in it, involved in it. Well, let's, let's dive into the Word tonight. I want to preach to you. I'm not sure you'd call this preaching. I, it, it probably will. I'd, it'd probably turn out that way. But it's just something that uh, the, the Lord showed me one day. And uh, I, guess, I guess that's how sermons start. He, he puts a thought. He drops a thought in your head. It's just kind of a seed. And then he starts showing you where else in Scripture besides that one Scripture that, that he said that. And it, and it becomes, it just becomes consuming. And, and then you have to put it on paper and start writing on paper. And then, then you start looking for somewhere, where, where can I preach this? Because it's like fire shut up in your bones. And I want to share this with you uh, as just something the Lord has really inspired my heart and challenged my heart with. It's about the righteous. That, that's what God calls us. The righteous matter to God. Genesis 18, this is, where, this is where this seed thought began. Verses 23 to 26, this is when Abraham was really negotiating with God because God told him, I'm going to go and destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah because of all the wickedness that's there. And Lot was there, Abraham's nephew who had come with him and his sojourn uh, from, from, uh, from where he had originated. And and, and he'd been part of the journey. He was, but he, you know, their, their crops became, or their, their, their agriculture became too big. So 
Lot had gone over here and Abraham over here. And that, but Lot had fallen among, among wicked, wicked people. And God sh showed him that he was going to destroy the city. And, and Abraham was negotiating with God about, would you destroy the city over a certain number of righteous? So I'll, I'll share that with you. Verse, uh, so he says, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you. This is, this is Abraham telling God what God's supposed to be. This is really incredible. For far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked. Of course, he's thinking of his nephew Lot and Lot's family. He, he doesn't want them destroyed along with the wicked people that, that God was going to destroy. So uh, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. I don't need to go ahead and read to you the rest of the negotiations. He, he uh, picked another number, said, well, what if, if, if I can't find 50, what if I could find 40? And then, and God agreed with him, okay, if you can find 40, if there, if there are 40 righteous, and then he, what if I can only find 30? And he got all the way down to five, I believe it was, that if I can find 10 righteous or whatever the lowest number was, God, God agreed with him for the, the last thing that Abraham requested. God agreed with him. If I can find that many righteous in the place, I will spare the entire city because of those righteous. And that, that just proves this reality that people that God sees as righteous matter to him. They matter to him. And the reason this applies, the reason this is not just a disconnected study about somebody else, you and I are among the righteous. We're among the, the redeemed of the Lord who've been washed in the blood and imputed God's righteousness. We are the ones in today's world, we are among the ones. We're not the only ones, of course. But we are among those who God calls righteous. And just like they mattered in Sodom and Gomorrah, they matter in Lone Grove, Oklahoma. They matter wherever God's people are. I'm going to show you that in a whole lot of scriptures. Uh, he treasures them. The Lord treasures the righteous. He, he keeps count of the righteous. He knows how many of us there are. If he knew how many hairs are on our head, he certainly knows how many righteous how many redeemed, rescued, blood-bought people there are in the world who are trusting Him and walking with Him. Uh, he knows us and keeps account just like a shepherd keeps account of his sheep. He keeps account of how many sheep he's got, and he knows each one of those sheep by name. And so does our God. Keep track of us and know us by name. You know, I'm not preaching this. I want to be careful to explain. I'm not preaching this to increase pride as if we should be proud and arrogant about being the righteous and, and that we matter to God. But rather just the opposite, that, we, that, that it would in fact result in humility, that we humbly would acknowledge that, Lord, the only way I, I could become among those that you have, for whom you have so much affection and so much you that you treasure, that you call them your own, they are the righteous. I, the only way I got to be a part of that is you redeem me with your blood. 
The only way I did that is because your spirit gave my heart awareness to, to believe the truth and, and allow the truth to come into my heart. And, and I, I, I didn't have to, I, I knew I couldn't earn my salvation. I realized I didn't have to earn my salvation because you earned it for me. You gave it to me as a priceless gift. I, I hope that, that, that humility is the result of every one of us learning what I'm teaching you tonight. Uh, these are some scriptures where it talks about God, how the righteous matter to him. Over in the, the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, when Jesus is speaking to the seven churches of Asia, he's, he's just giving a prophetic word to each of those churches. And when he's talking to the church in the city of Sardis in chapter 3, this is what God says about the people of Sardis. And in addition to what else he said about them that were that the things that they needed to, to, uh, uh, to deal with, the, the, the areas of their life they need to get right with God. But, it, but it, this is what he said. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. The Lord knew there were some righteous people among those other people that were, that were not living as they should be living. The, the same is true back in the Old Testament when God was telling Elijah, you know, when Elijah really got depressed because he thought everybody had turned over to, to, to worshiping Baal. And this is what Jesus told, God told him in 1 Kings 19, verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. See, the Lord knew how many. Uh, there, there are 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. God knows exactly how many are in any city that are his, just like, just like he did in, in the in the land uh, uh, of Israel at that time when so many people had be, have begun worshiping Baal. God knew exactly how many he had. Malachi, the third chapter. If you haven't ever discovered this chapter, or, or this, well, you've, you've seen the chapter, no doubt. It's, it's where we're taught to tithe. But, and there's so many things in this third chapter of Malachi. But re, re, notice this one, and you, you will treasure it along with me. Verses 16 through 18, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. You and I, he heard us talking. And the Lord listened and he heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. In other words, the Lord not only uh, enjoyed what he heard us saying, but he, he got a book and wrote it down because he treasured the way the righteous would speak to each other in their reverence for God. Jesus and God says, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day when I make up my jewels, on, on the day when God opens up his treasure chest and he's, he's counting his jewels, his precious things. He said, on the day I make them, I, I, I make them my jewels. I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. You're going to see the difference, he says. God, God the, the whole world is going to see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Amen. I love that. I love that. Those verses in, in Malachi, the third chapter. Several more, several more verses here that just talk about the wicked. Psalms 34, verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he, his ears are open to their cry. They, that tells me the righteous matter to God. Psalm 34, again, verse 17, two verses later, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 
Two verses later, verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them all. Look look how many times the Lord uses the word the righteous. Matthew 13, verse 43, what what, what a text this is. It's the you know, the Lord had told, this, had told the disciples that they had heard him tell, use the parable of the, of the wheat and the tares. You know, the weeds that got in there with the wheat and, and what, what, how that was going to be resolved. And uh, so afterward, as, as often, he explained, he, they said, explain that, that parable to us. And so in that explanation, he says, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, it's not going to be hard to tell the difference between the weeds and the wheat. In that day, the righteous are going to shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Wow. If you want to really be blessed by that, turn back to Matthew 13 and just read read those verses. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Isaiah chapter 3. Oh, I love this. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Whew. You're sowing a good crop, he said, and you're going to like the results. Proverbs 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Two more verses. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And Psalms 146, verse 8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. And the Lord loves the righteous. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just thank him right now. Thank you, Lord, that you, that you created the righteous. Lord, you not only gave us the the beginning of our life and breathed into us the breath of life, but you breathed into us the breath of spiritual life. You resurrected us from spiritual deadness, and you made us righteous. You clothed us in the righteous garments of your righteousness, Lord. You made us redeemed and blood-bought. You did everything. We can take credit for none of it, Lord. It's all your mighty work in us that you made us the righteous. And then you show us how much you love the righteous. And how much they matter to you. And we realize you're talking about people like us that are redeemed by your blood. We thank you, Lord. Three things about the righteous. The righteous represent the presence uh, of the Lordship of Christ wherever they are. But wherever there is one of the righteous, the Lordship of Christ is represented. That's what I'm trying to say. God had one present, one person in the whole city of Sodom and Gomorrah, at least that I can tell from the Bible, there was only one present in the, at the gate of Sodom because Lot was that righteous person who, who the Lord would rescue him and he told him to bring his family with him. Whether they were, were among the righteous or not, they, they had a, a righteous covering over their life because of Lot because we're not really given a whole lot. In fact, uh, I, I, won't, I won't speculate about that, that God, God's the one who knows. But, uh, but Lot had a biblical worldview. You, you understand what I mean by that? He saw the world from God's perspective. He, he realized that God was the creator and, and, and God was the life giver. God was the sustainer. God, God was in control. 
Lot knew this. The rest of the people in the, in, in the community, uh, I'm, I'm going to exclude Lot's family, but I'm, I'm concluding the rest of the community did, did not agree with God. They did not have God's perspective. They, they weren't in alignment with, with what God uh, had taught in His Word. But uh, Abraham had been the one who taught Lot. Lot had learned this because uh, of the, the influence of Abraham. And he knew, he, knew God, he knew who God was. He knew Jehovah. He, he knew the truth. And he agreed with God. And so God had one person representing him in that city. Because he, he understood the Lordship of Christ. I wonder how many cities... In our state, in the city, the cities of, of Oklahoma, I wonder if every one of them have somewhere where where uh, God's presence is represented by a, a person who's righteous, a person who's been redeemed, who has a godly worldview. I, I, I sure hope that in every city there's a lot of people, a lot of people who represent the righteousness of God. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. I'm still talking about this, uh, uh, that, one, that, that all of the righteous represent the lordship of Christ wherever they are. You know, if you, if you represent the righteous in Lone Grove, but you, you move to Tahlequah, then you're going to start representing the righteousness of God in Tahlequah. Because you're, you're taking the, the power of God with you in your life. 2 Peter chapter 2 for, God, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And, and he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example of those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. This is, this is all going together to say verse 9, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. In other words, God is able to keep His hand of preservation upon the righteous. He's, we, we have a covering. We, we, have, we have this assurance that no matter if the whole world turned against God, and only you, only you were the righteous, God has His hand on you. God is going to watch over you. God is going to strengthen you. And God, you, you, are, you outnumber the rest of the world because it's God and you. That's a majority. The second principle about the righteous is that the righteous have power over Satan and his kingdom of evil and darkness. Boy, we ought to shout about that. Amen. That's the absolute truth. Though, though we, I'm not sure we're fully aware of the reality of this, but it's the scripture. The righteous have power and authority over Satan and his kingdom of evil and darkness. How else would the Lord have sent the, his disciples out in the seventy? who were recruited to go with them and, and told them to cast out demons. How, how would they have done that if they didn't, hadn't been given the authority of God, the same authority that was upon Jesus? And they came back from, their, from, their, uh, from going into the city and, and healing people and casting out demons. And they, and they were just telling stories right and left and, and rejoicing how that Satan was subject to them, how the demons had to flee. And he said, hey, don't, don't glory in the fact that... that, that uh, 
the, the demons are afraid of you or that you can have authority over the demons. Glory in this fact that your name is written down in the Lamb's book, that you are among the righteous <laughs> because it's the righteous. It's God. God has empowered the righteous with authority over the enemy's camp. There's a notable, notable difference in a city when there are strong ministries thriving in that city because of godly, godly, righteous people. Because of people who, not, not in name only, but in, in real life, they represent God. They, they, are, they are living in, like Moses and like Abraham and, and like Jesus and like the disciples. And they are in communion with God and, and the presence of God is upon them. It, it, it affects an entire city. It, it, the Satan, there, there's, there's things Satan can't do in cities in certain cities because of so many righteous people that are walking with God in those cities. Yes. Ephesians 6, 12 says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That, that, that spiritual warfare is still going on. But the righteous, with God's hand upon us, prevail, prevail uh, the, the, over the power of evil. And the power of evil is broken by, by God's hand upon the righteous. So we've learned two things already that the, the righteous represent the Lordship of Christ wherever they are. And I'm telling you, the Lordship of Christ is big. That's, that's why the enemy can't handle, can't, can't, is overcome. The enemy is overpowered because it's the Lordship of Christ that our life represents. And he's just as afraid of us as he is the, uh, the Lord himself because it's the Lord in us that, that made us righteous. When, when the righteous prevail, the power of evil is broken. So, so the, third, the third and last observation, I guess, that I'm giving you about the righteous, and, and this is the longer of the three. The, the righteous matter because each one represents one more person working with God in his mission of rescuing lost people. God is on a huge campaign, and He has been since the day of Pentecost when He empowered the church with the Holy Spirit so that we'd be His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God is still on that campaign to reach, to rescue perishing people. Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. That, that, those, are, those are the words that describe his commitment to the mission. He, he, would, he even found joy in going to the cross because he knew that, that it was going to result in the righteous being blood-bought. The righteous really having the legal authority to, to be free from their guilt and their shame and all the things that would get in the way of God being able to use them. God, Jesus, with, with great joy, uh, went to the cross even because of this mission of rescuing and redeeming people and making them righteous. So he, he hasn't ever finished that. He, he, he's never going to stop that until the very last moment when, uh, when, when that line is drawn. But until then, God's going to reach every lost person that he can get, get the righteous to join him in rescuing. The Assemblies of God uh, World Mission, AGWM, 
they identify certain people groups of the world as unreached people groups. That's what they call them, unreached people groups. They know exactly now, they've, they've mapped out the whole world. Every, they know how many languages there are. They know how many people groups there are. Uh, in those, you know, you can't call it countries because in one country there's liable to be 200 people groups that, that even some of them speak different languages and live separate from each other. And, and, and all of them are going to have to be, uh, you know, we're, we've got our, our sights on, on sending missionaries and, and ambassadors into all those cities. So they identify exactly how many unreached people groups there are. Uh, and and many, many of those people groups have some in them who have heard the gospel and received the gospel. It's not that an unreached people group has no uh, righteous in it, but that, uh, but, but that a, in a people group where, where, where there's not enough righteous proportionately to win the rest of, of their people group, they still call that a, an unreached people group. You see what I mean? Like, like if, uh, if, if we were calling Lone Grove a people group and, and there was one person in this city who knew the Lord, they, they would still call uh, this an unreached people group unless that person was so incredibly effective and zealous that he was going to get the job done by himself. In most cases, it's going to take a, 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 a proportionate number of righteous people to influence and, and to, uh, to, to change a people group from being unreached to being reached because where, where, uh, here, here's what makes a church or, or a people group not an unreached people group, but, but in fact a reached people group when there are plenty of reach of righteous people in that people group to reach the rest of them. And certainly America has always been that, but the more people, the the more uh, that, that the unrighteous uh, uh, outnumber the righteous, uh, the more we're going to need, we're going to have some, some places in America that are unreached people groups because, uh, but, but here, here's one thing that affects that. How many of the righteous are mobilized to action. How many of them are doing something about it? How many of them are, 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 uh, are joining with God in His mission of, of taking the gospel light to every dark corner of the earth? And we're not afraid and we're not ashamed and we're not, we're, we're not intimidated by the enemy's threats or by fear. We're not, nothing's holding us back. But, but the, how aggressively is the, uh, the righteous that are, that are in that people group uh, taking the gospel to the rest of the people who are not yet reached. Do you see how valuable those who are saved, the righteous are to the rest of that people group? I want you to see that. I want you to see that. The only thing that keeps Long Grove from being an unreached people group is righteous people that are joining God and not just proclaiming God inside the four walls of the church, but like, like the live stream is doing tonight and like, like we do all the rest of the week, we live a life that glorifies God and we are very uh, 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 aggressively looking for opportunities to have conversation with every single person in this community. Why should you make friends with neighbors who don't know the Lord? So you'll know their name. So you get to talk to them. So you have a natural conversation with them so that sometime the Lord leads you to, uh, to be a friend to them and to, and to share something that is light, something that is hope, something into their life that, that maybe they, they've been taught lies. Maybe they've, they've, they've been deceived by lies, but the Lord's going to help you uncover those lies and show them there is, there, there's a reason to have 
an absolute hope about the future because God is for us, not against us. I mean, God can use you to bring the message of salvation and hope to, to the people in your people group. Yeah, every, uh, every righteous person or every group of righteous people in a community is a beachhead. It's a secure initial position gained that can be used for future advancement. You see, God, God is, that's the way he looks at the world. How many, how many uh, beachheads do I have in, in America? How many groups of righteous people are, are ready to reach their people group? Until someone from another people group comes as missionaries or ambassadors, those who are righteous are the only hope of the message of hope, of, of goodness of God being proclaimed and heard in that city. Did you, did you get that? Uh, until, somebody, until somebody else comes to Lone Grove that's not here right now, the only, only hope this town has is, is you, the righteous that are in this city. Loving Jesus out loud. Glorifying God with, with uh, words of faith in the community. Standing up for Jesus. Standing up for not being ashamed of Him. Um, this, this applies to every community. The community where, that you call home, the community of people that you love, you know, where, where your interest in people hearing the gospel breathes a ray of hope for the people that are dying without God. I, I've, uh, I've heard a lot of people criticize Lot over the years. I've probably even thought, considered thoughts why was Lot not winning his neighbors? Why was it when we got down to the Lord said, I'll spare the whole city for 10, that he couldn't even find 10 new converts? Uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, another family or two. Surely he, he had the chance to influence them. But, uh, and so you ask the question, did, did he keep the, the goodness of God to himself? as people uh, around him sank deeper and deeper into darkness? Did, did he tell anybody uh, as the people of Sodom became hostile toward him? Because this is, what, this is what their perspective became toward him. Instead of him winning them, they were, they were turning on him in a unified uh, uh, action against him. This is what they said when he wouldn't let when he stood at the door of his house and, you know, the, the angels that had come to the city to, to get Lot and his family out of the city. And they were in that house and, and he stood there at the door and he would not let them in. The city came because they wanted to bring them out and, and do dis despicable, defiled things with, with those angels. And, 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 uh, and Lot wouldn't open the door. And this is what they said to Lot. They said, stand back. They said, this one came here to stay and keeps acting as a judge. Evidently, he had been trying to do something, hadn't he? He said, they said, you keep acting like a judge and we will deal worse with you than you with, uh, than that. Uh, excuse me, I, he, he, I got mixed up. So we will deal worse with you than with them. In other words, what we were going to do to the angels that you're protecting, we're going to do to you and even worse. These people were turned in a unified assault, and, and a, uh, it was all hell breaking loose on him. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to breaking down the door. 
I wonder if, if the righteous aren't, aren't being attacked in a similar way in our world today. You know, just recently the Supreme Court uh, decision that didn't discontinued the legality of abortion in, in all 50 states. The wrath of the pro-choice advocates targeted the church. That they declared that they were going to burn churches. I don't know how many they actually did. But this is what they declared they were going to do because they knew it was, it was our conviction. It was the conviction of the church that was trying to protect the lives of people that were just as much as individual as we are. Any person you've ever known was in the condition of every single one of those 63 million babies that were aborted during the years when Roe, Roe versus Wade governed our land. 63 million. The population of America wouldn't be 310 or 320 or 330 million. It would be almost 400 million if it weren't for those 63 pl million plus uh, that were aborted. And, and, and the, the church, you know, believing that their, our, their life is just as valuable as ours. Even if their parents didn't want them, God's got a way. God's got a way. Hey, there's a lot of us that are alive that, are, that, that we had difficulty with our, uh, with, with our natural born parents uh, in our lives. But, but, you know, God raises up some of the very best. Look at Moses. His parents didn't raise him, but God raised up Moses. And, and uh, our, our conviction is what, what caused this, the, the almost kind of similar to what was happening to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. They, they were unifying uh, to, to, say, say their, uh, to state their aggression against us. But, uh, but what, what we need to remember as a church is that it starts out with the righteous caring enough to join Christ in his mission. That, that's what we've got to do. We've got to say, Lord, as righteous, as the redeemed, that you, that matter to you, that you, that you love, that you've said all these things about. Lord, we want to join you in your mission. Uh, what Hebrews 12, 2, that I read you all ago, for the joy set before him, for the joy set before us of doing it for our master, of doing it for our savior. If it cost us our life, if it cost us our life, I, I have a, a friend in, in uh, Edmund that I, I met. Uh, she is a Pakistani uh, young lady, and, and she uh, wrote a few books that tell about her testimony, how, how she was born in, a, in the Islam faith. And, and, uh, but in her, in her early adulthood years, she began to, to research about Christianity. She turned her life completely over to Christ, was saved and baptized in water, baptized in, in, in the Spirit. And she became bold in her witness, and she's winning, winning lots of people. And and her, uh, when, when she had to face her father, she uh, uh, realized that, that because she knew the law uh, and uh, the law in the faith that, from which she had come, that it was his responsibility to take her life because she had defected out of that faith into this faith. Of all faith, if you, if you defect into this faith and you deny that faith, then your father has a responsibility to take your life. And when she, she stood up, herself and told that, that, she had, that she had become a Christian and she waited to see what her father was going to do. And, and she tells about this in her book and he, uh, he just disclaimed her as a daughter and, and said, I'll never, I'll never see you or hear you, your voice or, or have anything to do with you again. And, and uh, that, that's what he chose to do. That was his, that was his decision what to do. But uh, I, I went and after I read that in her book and, and uh, I was talking to her one day, I said to her, uh, 
what was it like to go face your father knowing that your life was, was probably going to be taken because of the decision of making your, your decision to stand up for Jesus and, and to give your life to Christ? She said, oh, it was, it was easy. She said, I, I, she said, we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die sometime. And she said, what better reason to die than for Jesus? That just took me back. Why didn't I think of that? She was in that very situation. And she said, what better reason is there to die? What, what better way to die than dying for Jesus? It wasn't that she was disappointed not to die because she knew the Lord called her into the ministry. And, he's, and she's, she's very, very effective in, in winning souls to Christ. She's one of the righteous, one of the redeemed. Um, Hmm. Do you have enough interest in people who need, to he- who need to hear about the goodness of God to call their name out to God in prayer? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to offend or insult anybody with that question. But I believe the Lord wants, to, wants us to, to ask ourselves that question. Do I have enough interest in people who need to hear the gospel, the goodness of God? to call out their name to God in prayer. Every one of us need to be calling people's names out to God in prayer. Find people that need to be prayed for. I, I, was, I was praying for a, a person one time who had visited our church. He was a man like me. I just, I just had compassion on him. I didn't know anything about his spiritual background. But I started praying for him and the Lord spoke to me and said, you're the only one praying for him. Every time I think of his name, I pray for him again because it was, it, it was like he doesn't have a mama praying for him. He doesn't have a brother or sister praying for him. The Lord knows. And it was the Lord, like the Lord just wanted me to know that, I, that, that it was special of him. He thought it was special for me to call this man's name in prayer. I saw results. I saw physical. With my own eyes, I saw results of of him softening toward the Lord and, and showing interest in the Lord. Sat with me in the front of the church a few times coming to our church. And I still see his name around town because he owns a business in town. And, and I still call his name in prayer because I may still be the only one that's doing that. And you may be the only one that's calling somebody's name in prayer. Not, you know, start with your kids, of course, if they're not, if they're not in the faith or your loved ones and, or your neighbors and close friends or, or, or people that you just, you already know and care about. But but always be looking for more, looking for people. Maybe there are people that nobody's ever prayed for, that, that, that are, nobody's calling their name. Why, why don't we make us a list and just call those names out to God? God save. God save them. I believe that's where it starts. And then when God gives us revelation about how to, how to build a bridge to that person and God shows us uh, what ways that he's using and maybe one day we're going to get to thank God. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing that person that I've been calling on my list. Now I'll pray for him as a disciple. Um, have you ever heard the, the expression, what do I care? You know, the Cowboys are playing in 20 minutes and I can say in, you know, in a flippant way, what do I care? You know, but that would kind of offend some of you, so I don't want to do that. But May that, may that statement never apply to our personal feeling concerning those who need the rescue in our life, in our, in our city. May it, may it never even look like 
by our actions, what do I care? May it always be visible to God that we care. We care. Because the righteous matter to God. You, you are His connection to that next new convert, to that next one whose soul will, will be awakened like the woman at the well that I talked to you about this morning. Wouldn't it be nice if you could ask, if, if you could say to them, if you only knew, <laughs> if you only knew the gift God has for you and, and, the, and the one who's speaking to your heart and drawing him to yourself, you, you would want everything, every gift he wants to give you because they enrich your life with, with eternal blessings. God, use us. You use us, Lord. We are Christ's advocates at the spiritual gate of our city. Should, you know, I, just a couple more questions. Should we blame them for not knowing God? You know, can we wash our hands of any responsibility for their lost, perishing condition? Do you celebrate and rejoice when another church has has success in rescuing lost families, or, or do, you, do you rather think, no, just go ahead and stay lost until we reach you? You know, in other words, let, let's, let's rejoice over every effort anybody in this community is making, whether it's another church and, and all of a sudden they have a revival and you hear that they had 250 people saved, jump up and down and shout and rejoice and say, God, use our church in that manner too, Lord. Whatever they did to put themselves in the position, put us in that position too. We want to see you use us. We want you to use every single righteous person in this community to bring lost people into the kingdom of God. The more the righteous are in this city who have interest in lost people hearing of the goodness of God, the more likely it is that they will hear and that they will believe. Amen? Amen. I'm going to skip the rest of the message and ask you to come to the altar and stand at this altar with me. If, if you need to, because of some reason that I don't know about, to stay where you are, I'm, I'm not going to judge anybody, but I'm just inviting us all to stand across the front and we're going to give thanks. This is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to thank you, Lord, for making me righteous by by your amazing mercy and grace. Not out of, a, out of pride, but we're just going to humble ourselves and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you, that the righteous matter to you so much. Just thank him that you get to be part of that pearl of great price that he values so much. That, that we're that treasure hidden the field for him. And he, he would do everything. He would go to the cross so that he could get that treasure and have the righteous as his own. Thank, let, let's thank him. I'm not asking you to do anything else during our time when, when we're standing at this altar. Thank you, Lord, that you allowed me to be one of the righteous. And thank you, Lord, that, that, that you, the righteous matter to you so much. Put those thoughts in your own words. But instead of just doing it where you are, can we come to it collectively? Will you stand with me across the front? And let's just have a, a, a prayer time that, Holy Spirit, we just put you in charge of this prayer time that we're going to have. Lord, we ask that you would you'd bring us to this, to this place and that you'd put the words in our mouth as righteous, redeemed, soul saved, rescued people, Lord. Lord, help us to, to express our gratitude and our thanks. That's what, I'm, that's what we're here to do. Let's express our gratitude and our thanks. Lift up your voice and, and praise the Lord. 
If you're, if you're not righteous, if you don't feel like you can say this, all you have to do is ask the Lord to impute His righteousness to you. All you have to do is ask Him. He will save you right this very minute. He will make you uh, rescued and pulled out of the rubble and, and he'll, he'll, he'll raise you up with, with wholeness and power in your life. Father, thank you, thank you. We stand at this altar as a church family just saying thank you from the bottom of our heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you allowed us to be redeemed and rescued by your blood and by your amazing grace, Lord. By your amazing love for us, you pursued us so that we would be rescued from, from our willful rejection of you, Lord. From, from our hardened heart, you dealt with us, Lord. You drew us to yourself and you made us among the righteous among the holy people of your kingdom, Lord. Thank you, thank you for the blood you shed. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. Thank you for establishing your church. Your church was so uh, fundamental in rescuing me, Lord. It was through the church that I heard the message of the gospel. I thank you for the church. I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ that have helped you. Lord, that have enabled you to help me and rescue me and help me believe and help me be established as a, as a part of your kingdom, Lord, as a son and daughter of God. We, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, thank you. Thank you that, that the righteous matters so much to you. That you'd even say when you collect your jewels. Lord, that it, that it was us that you were going to hold to your chest. It was us that you were going to count dear and you were going to preserve. God, thank you. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve it, Lord. But we thank you that you showed us in your word that even every one of our prayers are open to you, Lord, that you have an open heaven above us. The windows of heaven are open because you, you treasure and you cherish your righteous people that are redeemed. Thank you that you chose to do that, Lord. Thank you that that will never change. Thank you, Lord, that forever and ever and ever the redeemed are going to rejoice in being someone who matters to you, Lord. We thank you for this. We thank you for it. Lord, show us. Show us, I pray. Show us the reality of what, what your word has shown us tonight. And may we live forever conscious and aware of what a, what, a, what a wonderful gift you have given us to make us part of the redeemed, the blood-bought, the righteous. Lord, that, that, that matters so much to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. I feel like I've taught you about, you know, uh, about this much of, of what I've talked about. The rest of it's in the Bible. Just dig in there and let God reveal it to you. Because the rest of this subject is, that's why he gave us the Bible. So he could show us the, the plan of salvation and how, how committed he is to it because he loves redeemed, blood-bought people. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. I love you people. I love you. I'm not your pastor except just temporarily. But I love you forever. How about that? God bless you. Praise the Lord.